0: IB Talk, the global insurance industry podcast presented by Insurance Business. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to IB Talk, the global podcast brought to you by Insurance Business. And our hot streak is continuing, folks. After welcoming an Emmy Award winner on the program last week, we're now reverting back to within the insurance industry itself, uh, but with another huge name. I'm delighted to welcome as our guest this week the CEO and president of Gallagher Bassett, Scott Hudson. Scott, welcome to IB Talk.
1: Well, it's an absolute pleasure to be with you today, Paul, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. So, Scott,
0: uh, whenever we have someone who's at the the top of a company like yourself, I, I think it's always fascinating to, to find out about that journey, how you worked your way into the position that you are now. And I, I know that you, you studied at Iowa State University's College of Business. Uh, you've held positions at a, a host of different companies, uh, business consultancies in particular. Uh, talk us through your path to Gallagher-Bassett.
1: Well, and it, um, it actually starts with the consulting business. Out of, uh, out of college, I uh, joined a company that uh, uh, is no longer around. It was uh, Arthur Anderson uh, in their management information consulting division, um, and I was there for a number of years before moving on to uh, McKinsey and & Company. And uh, just solving general business problems, uh, my time at Anderson was building systems Uh, for clients, Uh, and at McKinsey it was the the traditional business problems we were solving for them. And uh, my path, interestingly, to Gallagher is um, uh, a college roommate of mine uh, by the name of Doug Howell, who happens to be the corporate CFO at Gallagher, uh, in some of his experiences uh, with insurance companies, uh, Guide 1, 21st century prior to coming to Gallagher, uh, had engaged the consulting firms that I worked for. Um, and so that was, uh, they, we kind of reconnected uh, in the business world, uh, not you know, beyond our personal experiences. And um, he joined uh, Gallagher in the early 2000s. Um, I think it was like 2001 or 2002. And he brought our consulting business, which at the time was a, a company by the name of Bridge Strategy Group, a company that I had started with uh, seven other uh, colleagues, and um, I had uh, an opportunity with a number of us to uh, do a number of projects uh, inside uh, the Gallagher organization, uh, primarily on the brokerage side. I uh, did a couple of projects on the Gallagher-Bassett claims side, but it was uh, most of our work was solving a variety of problems um, uh, you know, with the, uh, the brokers. And uh, had uh, probably spent about six to seven years uh, inside the organization, got to know Pat Gallagher quite well. And uh, in the late, uh, I think it was about 2009, the summer of 2009, my uh, predecessor uh, had left the organization and Pat uh, was looking to uh, uh, make the replacement. And he and I knew each other quite well, but his uh, um, his instincts did not say that, uh, that Scott Hudson was the right person to run Gallagher Bassett. Um, and the primary reason uh, was I'd never run a business. I was a you know a lifelong consultant, um, and two I had not worked directly. Although I had a lot of experience in insurance uh, and in claims and uh, organizations, I had not you know directly worked inside a third-party claims administrator. So he uh, went on a search um, looking for the right person, and I don't think he was. Um, and he loves to tell the story. Uh, he wasn't finding exactly what he was looking for. Uh, so he and I did sit down and have lunch, uh, in late 2009 and, uh, he said, Hey, if you, um, if you were to come run Gallagher Bassett, you know, what would you do? What would that look like? What would the future of the organization look like? And, uh, I took some time to, uh, probably as a consultant would do, uh, to kind of lay out that, um, that plan for the organization is the way I saw it and uh after probably you know 3 to 4 weeks of conversations like that he said hey uh why don't you come join the organization and uh we've never looked back it's uh, been absolutely a fantastic experience since then
0: yeah it's, it's it is it is an amazing story did did it feel then i mean for you like a a big career jump to to move
1: into a, a ceo role like that um i think it was um it, it, it was, but I think I was uh, at a point in my career that, uh, one, I was familiar with the Gallagher organization, uh, and I knew the leadership uh, quite well, so it was a comfortable move from that standpoint. Uh, it was into a business uh, that I had had you know, lots of experiences over the years uh, from a consulting standpoint, so I, I understood the claims business, I understood the insurance business, and um, and I was, you know, probably far enough along in my career that I, um, you know, I, I felt confident and comfortable. Uh, at the same time, you know, I was, uh, you know, taking over, you know, the helm of a, um, you know, an organization that had a, you know, a phenomenal track record uh, and had been, you know, successful for at that point in time, close to 50 years. And so, uh, I mean, obviously, um, I was anxious from the standpoint that I didn't want to let anybody down. Uh, but at the same time, I felt that uh, I had. I, I was I was the right guy for the job at that uh, at that point in time.
0: And given the fact that you know you'd been involved from from the consultancy standpoint at, th- at that point, had you sort of seen yourself working within the industry itself? Had, had you ever had that sort of inkling in your mind that you know I'd like to get
1: involved a little bit more? It, it, I you know I to be very candid, I did not. Uh, people ask me this from time to time. I didn't start my professional career out of um college uh thinking that you know someday i want to be the ceo uh, of an organization i was I, i've always aspired to grow and develop and continue to uh you know move up through organizations i mean when i started in the consulting business it was all about becoming a partner uh or a leader inside those organizations and i you know i achieved that and uh, uh was excited about that and i there had been a few times over my career where clients, uh, similar to like in this situation with Gallagher, had um, had asked, uh, "Would I be interested in a you know different positions? And you know it, for whatever the reasons were, at those moments in time, it just didn't feel like the right thing. Um, I, I think when Pat approached me, uh, I had been consulting uh, probably for close to 30 years, uh, somewhere between 25 and 30 years. And, you know, it was it was a little bit of a time for a change. Uh, the other thing, just on a personal level, um, that was convenient for me is that, uh, you know, I live in the Chicago area. Gallagher was headquartered in the Chicago area. Oftentimes over my career, you know, the clients I worked for were in uh, in different um, you know, parts of the country, uh, in different parts of the world. So it was very convenient. I had uh, three boys uh, that at that moment in time were in, um, you know, middle school, high school. So, you know, moving and disrupting their lives would have been, been tough. So this the, the combination of uh, my comfort with Gallagher, um, the, you know, kind of, looking for a change at that moment in time kind of ended my career and really being convenient and rather than you know getting on a train and heading into the city to work i just had to point my car in the opposite direction and go to the gallagher headquarters uh it it was it was a good fit it was really a good fit and it's the right time
0: and this probably some of our listeners who you know are hearing your story and thinking, well, you know, I don't get to have lunch with a, a Pat Gallagher, so you know, I, th- this can't a- apply to me. But the, the reality is that I'm, I'm assuming, you know, you, just to have, have got to have that lunch with with Pat Gallagher. You must have done a, a lot to impress along the way. So, I mean, you know, what sort of advice would would you give to 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 people out there who are looking to to advance in their career and you know, one day maybe be a CEO themselves?
1: Paul, I, I think the It's the advice I give to uh, uh, a lot of, you know, young people in our organization, uh, people who come through our intern program, uh, even my three sons that are now, uh, you know, in the work world. Um, Number one is all opportunities are good opportunities. There's not a, you know, there's not, you don't necessarily have to do this job or a specific job in order to, to move forward in your career. But when you're given an opportunity in whatever company that may be, uh, in whatever role that may be, make the most of it. Uh, absolutely make the most of it. And that, you know, when I talk about making the most, it's performing in the role that we're talking about uh, or, you know, the, the position you're in, uh, you know, exceed everybody's ex- expectations from that standpoint. Uh, the second thing is um, uh, network. Uh, network endlessly. Uh, As I mentioned, you know, my connection to the Gallagher organization was uh, my college roommate. Um, And I think it's, you never know, uh, you know, over the course of a career, uh, who might be the person that will give you, you know, the opportunity, you know, later on down the road, uh, whether it's a new position uh... you know an opportunity into a new organization and so i think you know making the most of every single opportunity um, always challenging yourself looking for new opportunities don't ever you know don't become complacent don't be content you know make yourself uncomfortable push yourself and then uh... you know make the most out of uh... you know every relationship and every connection that you possibly uh... have because you, you just never know who's going to be that person That's going to introduce you to somebody um, you know in the future that may uh, create a wonderful opportunity for you.
0: And and now you've had over a decade in the role. So how do you keep it fresh and interesting?
1: Well, that's actually relatively easy because the um, you know business is uh, the the one thing I uh, you know am reminded of every single day is um, you know it's changing. Uh, You know. You know whether it's our competitors are doing things that uh, uh, you know challenge us in some way. Whether it's our clients, you know, are you know they're demanding more and more you know every single day. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, recent times here um, n- nobody planned for the pandemic, <laughs> it, and uh, and so you know in terms of keeping it interesting, I'm I'm a lifelong problem solver. You know that uh, if if there was one skill that I learned, you know. Uh, and, and became, I think, you know, reasonably good at in the consulting business was solving problems. And there's just an endless number of problems. And it's not just, you know, in our case, it's not just core claims problems. There's people-related problems, people challenges, how do you develop and how do you grow people, uh, how do you apply technology, you know, into our business. So it's, I, I find that, um, you know, in some respects it's um, it's less about uh, keeping it fresh and interesting it's uh, you know sorting through the you know the many many you know opportunities that we have in front of us and picking those that uh, you know we should focus our time and energy on uh, you know to put our business in the best possible position.
0: And you mentioned the pandemic there. Um, tell us about that from you know from the standpoint of your company because I think you know we've we've heard quite a, a bit from, from brokers and insurers on this, but you know from the loss of just a standpoint, I mean, how's it impacted business?
1: Well, the um, so in March, I think it was uh, you know mid, you know, mid to late March uh, when everything um, you know kind of hit. Um, we've got a lot of uh, large clients um, that um, you know we got large hotel chains, large restaurants, movie theaters, uh, you know, clients in the uh, you know in the airline industry, and so what happened is, I mean a lot of their, a lot of our clients' businesses just essentially almost instantly stopped. And we're in the business of, you know, we handle work-related injury-type claims. You know, we handle general liability. We handle, um, you know, motor-related claims. And all of a sudden, that business, uh, our, a lot of our clients' businesses just, you know, came to a halt. And therefore, we're not going to see claims coming in. Uh, and that's, that's obviously the light blood of our business. So almost instantly across all of our operations throughout the uh, the world you know here in the US over in the UK we've got operations down in Australia and New Zealand we saw a pretty significant fall off in claim activity and you know so we had to you know obviously quickly kind of assess what that meant and how we were going to adjust because um, you know we're fine tuning our business kind of day in and day out in terms of making sure we have the right capacity uh, you know, to be able to handle all those claims. And all of a sudden, you know, in, in one day, you know, or one week or, you know, within a couple of weeks, we, we saw a significant drop-off. So we had to, uh, our operations people had to work pretty darn hard, you know, to kind of sit here and think about, uh, you know, how to kind of right-size our workforce uh, to make sure that we had the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the people in the places where, you know, claim activity was still coming in, uh, that we had the right number of people. Uh, And then the other thing is we, um, uh, now we had a little bit of a unique advantage here is uh, in parts of our operation, we had, we may have had 40 to 45% of our people already working from home. That was a strategy that we pursued probably, you you know, somewhere five, six, seven, eight, nine years ago. And so the fact that we couldn't have people coming into the office because we sent everybody home. Um, we were reasonably well equipped to have people almost, you know, pick up, you know, a day later uh, and do their job from, you know, you know their, their home office or their, you know, their dining room table in their, uh, um, you know, wherever it might be in their house. So we were good there. But at the same time, the other 50% of our people, we had to get them home quickly. And uh, we had to get them home, we had to get them equipped, we had to get equipment out there. And it was, Absolutely remarkable to see our organization, uh, you know, how well we handled that. And, you know, really few, if any, disruptions to, you know, client service. Although I said, you know, claims dropped off significantly, there still were a lot of claims coming in, and there were claims that were in flight that still needed to be handled. So we did a phenomenal job in terms of, um, you know, kind of keeping, you know, very little disruption to service moving half of our workforce to home and, and being productive, um, obviously, you know, assuring them, um, you know, communication was a big thing at that point in time. It's like people want to know what, what's going to happen. When you know, when's this going to end? And so, uh, our marketing communications organization did a phenomenal job in terms of, you know, letting people know what was going on. Um, and it was, uh, it was really, it was impressive. Um, and now what we're seeing, Paul, is the, uh, the businesses, you know, as the economy uh, picks up in different parts of the world, uh, we are seeing increased activity, and things are, we're a long way yet, I think, from what I would describe as back to where we were before this started, but, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're moving in that direction, um, and, and I, the, the team has done just a, a phenomenal job in terms of, uh, you know, keeping the organization together and keeping our clients, uh, you know, well served throughout all of this.
0: It's good to hear somebody being positive because I think there's a, there's been a, a lot of negativity swirling as of late. But um, you know, before we r- record these podcasts, I I obviously I, I reach out to every speaker and I ask you know what topic they would like to speak about. And yours was you know a really fascinating one, Scott, because you said the the right investments deliver superior outcomes. Um, can you elaborate on what you mean by that?
1: Well, it's funny, I, and I learned this years ago. Um, on a number of consulting projects that i worked on uh for claim organizations inside insurance companies and for there was a period of time you know back in the uh probably 1970s 1980s where i the the claims function was viewed largely as a cost center uh it was like you know spend as little as you possibly can make it as efficient as you possibly can uh, and that was the right way to think about it. And I think there was a shift in thinking, and I had the opportunity to be part of a lot of these efforts, where rather than thinking of every dollar uh, of um, invested in the claims function, you know, whether it be people, um, technology, or whatever it is, as a pure cost that you want to try to limit or minimize, think of it rather as an investment in trying to manage the overall loss cost. Uh, which is far greater, you know, it's probably the loss cost is going to be, you know, five, six, seven times that of the, um, uh, the loss, ex- uh, the, the, you know, the expense, uh, the loss adjusting expense. And so when you think of it that way, you know, it becomes far more strategic in terms of how you think about the claims organization and where you make those investments and whether it's, you know, in people and deep expertise, you know whether it's in technology solutions, and that has been the um, I think the cornerstone or kind of the foundation in terms of how we built the Gallagher organiza- organization, Gallagher Bassett organization going forward since uh, in my time here.
0: So it sort of goes back to the old adage, I guess, that you know sometimes you have to spend money to make money. You've got to be willing to to maybe pay a little bit more, for example, for the right candidate, um, as opposed to, to bringing someone in who's a, a little bit cheaper who who doesn't have the right background or skill set. Is is that the sort of thing you mean?
1: You're absolutely right on. You're you're, you're I, I love the uh, the analogy. The you know spend more to make more. In our case, you have to spend something to control and manage the loss cost and. Uh, You know, whether that be, you know, hire somebody who's got deeper skills and expertise, you know, whether that's invest more in technology and the tool set that we're giving to the people that are handling the claims, Um, you know, even, you know, invest in the people that are in, you know, some of your support functions, you know, bring top talent into your HR function, bring top talent into your technology function, because, you know, those are investments that you're making, uh, you know, in the business as well. So uh, I think you, yeah, the way you're thinking about it is uh, exactly how I uh, uh, would hope that you would have understood what I said.
0: Yeah, and, and and I guess the investment has to continue over time too, doesn't it? Because I mean you've got to, for example, with with people, you've got to keep nurturing talent. You've got to to help them expand. Um, what sort of initiatives do you have in place to ensure that you're you're helping people grow, so that you you know you hang on to the the right people?
1: Well, and I think that um, we've got um, uh, my uh, global uh, head of HR, Shanua Daly, has done a phenomenal job uh, in terms of. Um, one is, I mean, it, it, the the first point is you gotta you gotta get the right people in the door, and that and that's a constant challenge. Uh, I mean, you hear about people talking about the war for talent. That's a never ending um, uh, that's a never ending battle, you know. And we're doing a lot of things in terms of uh, intern programs uh, and the way we uh, you know bring people into the organization, the way we identify people. But then once they're there, uh, we've obviously got to provide. Uh, You know an enriching career experience you know whether that's somebody who's you know handling claims uh whether it's our sales professionals who are going out and trying to uh acquire new clients whether it's our client management people who are uh you know managing our relationships with clients uh we've got a a pretty robust internal uh career path uh and and set of tools that go along with that you know to develop our people and uh, it's a constant challenge. Um, you know, and, and interestingly, in, in these moments in time, uh, you, know, it, uh, you know, it even adds to the challenge because, you know, we're doing a lot of that uh, now virtually, whereas before we might have put people on a plane and, uh, you know, gotten them together from time to time. But it's, uh, there's a whole host of skills that we're constantly trying to make sure that we're giving our folks uh, the right opportunity to develop themselves professionally uh, and ascend uh, you know through our organization and uh, uh, they themselves move into uh, leadership positions
0: and and like you said investments aren't just about people they're they're about technology too um, but we hear mm-hmm. about so, so many different technologies right now, don't we from you know new forms of analytics to AI to machine learning um, Where do you think that insurance can sort of gain the most value if you want by by focusing on with its tech spend
1: Well, and I think we believe. Um, Inside Gallagher Bassett, we've uh, and I've been a big proponent of we're still going to need a person, an individual, a professional handling a claim. And our thinking, and you can take all the buzzwords, you know, machine learning and AI and so forth. And you know what handling a claim is, Paul is it's it's a series of decisions that our claims professionals must do or make. And where we're spending our money, uh, and it gets into the AI, machine learning, everything, is giving the tools to our people to be able to make the best possible decisions. The way I like to think of it is, years and years ago, you know, a claims professional um, basically had the benefit of their own experience when they were handling a claim. Now, our 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 notion is that anytime somebody is sitting there handling a claim, they should have the benefit of all the experiences that Gallagher-Bassett has had handling similar type situations. And that's where the technology comes in, is to be able to, to gather all of those experiences and to be able to present those to our claim handler, our claims professional, at the moment in time that they need that information to help them you know, kind of chart the best Path forward to figure out what the best strategy is for a given claim. And so it's, it's all about decision support and giving people the best tools to do their job. We are automating aspects of the process. I mean, there are certain things that you know we don't want you know, to that we shouldn't necessarily have people doing. but for the most part, it's all about, uh, it's all about decision support and really enabling our people to make the best possible decision at every moment along the life of a the claim.
0: There's always been fear though, hasn't there, that, that sort of investing in technology actually means taking jobs away, but I guess you're you're saying something quite different there, that it's actually all about sort of supporting your
1: your, your workers. It, it's it's 100% about supporting the workers. And the other thing too is, there is some work that we can automate away, which then hopefully gives our people even more time to focus on what we believe to be the critical, most important decisions to drive towards a successful resolution on a claim. And so, uh, as I said a few minutes ago, uh, we believe that there's always going to need to be somebody uh, handling the claim itself. Um, when somebody gets injured at work, that's a human being. And, you know, to really understand, you know, how to, you know, build the best, best path forward to get that person back to work, uh, to get them healthy, uh, to get them productive again, that does require you know, a human touch. And so uh, we're going to give our people the best tools to do that, but we still see that uh, there needs to be a person there. We're not going to automate away this entire business.
0: And before we wrap up, Scott, I, I want to veer a little off topic and, and just talk to you about making connections, because obviously we, we, we referenced the pandemic earlier and everyone's using Teams and Zoom and so on now. Um, but making new connections when you can't get out there and you can't meet people face to face is tough, isn't it? Especially for, for a lot of our listeners who are insurance brokers and are having and are to go about their business in a, in a whole new way. So, you know, what, what's your approach?
1: Well, I, uh, this is another one of these things like uh, the work from home thing. Um, the way that I'm uh, making connections uh, with our organization is six years ago, uh, uh, at the encouragement of uh, Dave Gordon, our uh, chief marketing officer, I started a weekly, um, I, I call it a, uh, some people call it a newsletter. Uh, it, it's an email that goes out to our entire organization, and it now goes out to some of our clients and, uh, you know, an expanded network where I, it's referred to as beyond the business. And um, I talk about, you know, things going on in my personal life. And I try to connect that back to our business in some way. And the reason why Dave encouraged me to do this is um, a number of years ago when I would go out and visit our folks, you know, a lot of times I would get up and, you know, maybe as the consultant, I would talk about our strategy and our direction, our business performance. And at times I could see uh, some of our folks saying, you know, Scott, I understand that's important for our business, but you're not really connecting with me. Um, And so that's when Dave said, you know, you need to talk more about yourself. Uh, You need to let people know that, you know, who you are, what's going on in your life, and, you know, be a little bit vulnerable. Uh, It was a bit uncomfortable uh at the start but uh for six straight years every week i write a note to the organization and the fact that i've had that going on um every one of our folks uh every uh, depending upon where you are in the world uh, wednesday or thursday morning gets that note from me at 7:30 a.m and it is a connection where they will they'll respond they'll write back Uh, and and we'll carry on a little bit of a dialogue. So that's been quite effective. And we've, um, inside the organization, um, you know, I think people are, you know, we're we're doing what probably a lot of organizations are, far more video conferencing. Um, What's interesting is we're probably connecting with people to a much, much greater extent today than we did before because you don't spend a lot of time traveling. Um, You don't spend as much time, getting there and so it gives you more time throughout the day to connect with many many more people and rather than just you know having to spend two days to go have one business meeting in some city uh which is still important and and obviously we want to get back to doing some of that but a lot of our people including myself are finding um that we're connecting to many many more people and we're able to do it largely live through you know these virtual you know conference call and uh, video conference facilities and uh Although it's not ideal, it's not exactly what everybody wants, um, uh, I actually think in a lot of respects that our organization is feeling even somewhat more connected uh, maybe than in the past.
0: Yeah, I, I think there's quite a few people who, who feel that way. Uh, but give give us a tip as well, if you don't mind, about sort of making a, a lasting connection. You know, it, you know, if, if you perhaps come across someone for the first time or you, you connect some way, maybe it's through, I don't know, social media or something like this, you know, how can you make it where people you know, really want to be involved with you and your company going forward and then it isn't just a, a one-off conversation?
1: Um, that's a good question. Um, in terms of the, uh, I, I think, you know, probably the, and, and I, I learned this years ago, uh, and, and whether it's a client, whether it's an individual, you know, whether it's somebody that works for us. Um, you know, to me, first and foremost, you need to do something for them. You, you, you need to, rather than, you know, it, it's like you've got to you put yourself in their shoes, figure out how you can help them. Uh, I, I, in, in the consulting business, uh, I learned a, an old adage that, uh, you, know, think of, you know, think of a prospect as a client before they become a client. And treat them as though they're a client before they become a client. And oh, by the way, if they happen to leave, still think of them as a client. And so you're always, you know, thinking about what can I be doing uh, that would be valuable to. And, and as I said, whether it's an individual, whether it's one of our, you know, one of our employees inside Gallagher Bassett, whether it's a prospect, whether it's an existing client. And I think uh, there's just there's no substitute when you're, when you're doing, when, when people feel that you care about them and that you take an interest uh, either in them personally or their business and you do something of value for them, that will have a lasting impact uh, and a lasting effect and will be the, you know, the foundation for a longstanding relationship.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. Um, Scott, if anybody wants to connect with you on, on the back of this podcast, how, how can they reach you?
1: Um, you know what? I'll. Uh, uh, they can send an email to me at any time uh, to Scott. Uh, that's S C O T T underscore Hudson H U D S O N at and this is always tough uh, G B T P A. That's Gallagher Bassett um, and I would uh, you know welcome the opportunity to uh, to chat with anybody. Uh, back to the point of uh, I'm always looking for new connections to make.
0: Excellent. Scott, you've been a a fantastic guest. Um, We're all out of time, everybody, but ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening once again. Um, I'm Paul Lucas. This is IB Talk, and we'll talk to you again next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of IB Talk. Follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts for the latest episodes.